Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey folks, uh, what day is this? V? Oh, it's just me. Oh wait, I, there. You're I, back. My, I just screwed that up. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, I was about to get running. Oh my god. Anyway, folks, this is V for Velas. Velas is here. You can find him over in the Discord. The link will be in the description box. Um, and with that being said, without further ado. Fellas, it's been a while, buddy. How you been? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. Uh, just a reminder, folks. Uh, posted this on the Discord page. I will be, <laughs> I will be off again next week, uh, and then I'll be back on Friday the 19th. Um, no, I'm terribly sorry. Friday the 12th. I'm looking at my calendar here, so I will not be here the fifth. I will be here the 12th. So I'm glad to be back. Got a bunch okay. of stuff to cover, so I'm just going to jump right into it. So, first item. And uh, good morning to all of you in the in the comment section. So we'll start with Sudan. Uh, after a couple of years of stability, we now have a hot war in Sudan again. Uh, barely a peep in the media other than Americans are stranded again, which is the normal dog whistle to distract people with comments about Americans are being told to shelter in place, much like we told people to do in Afghanistan. Um, now that's, of course, because the media had to say something uh, without saying anything. I know Sudan very well. Mm. Um, the country was a happening place in the 1980s and 90s when famous terrorists like Carlos the Jackal. Oh, yeah. Carlos Ramirez Sanchez, a.k.a. the Jackal. Uh, he was responsible for the Lode Airport Massacre and for kidnapping uh, oil officials from OPEC, etc. Uh, part of the intellectual terrorism movement that started in the 1970s, Abu Nidal, etc., uh, all these cats were hanging out in bars in the Sudan during those years. Uh, Sudan was also a conduit for a gentleman named uh, the Sheikh or or religious figure Omar Abdel Rahman. Oh, Rahman of nine oh, yeah. eleven of of, uh, of of World Trade Center fame in nineteen ninety three. Yes, known great. as the blind cleric. Yeah. Uh, Sudan was the conduit of how they got into the country in the nineties. Um, so uh, on top of it, I also personally met the United Nations ambassador uh, from the Sudan. We'll just say in the late 1980s and leave it at that. But I, I met he and several of his, his diplomatic staff at their mission outside the United Nations. So I'm sure a number of you are going to say, well, then Velas, what the heck's going on? Well, Cold War 2.0, my friends. Um, the first part of what's going on in the Sudan is, is that you've probably, many of you have probably seen various articles out there, but the net of it is 
The first item is Russia signed an agreement recently with the Sudan to build a naval base. Uh, that's kind of notable because the former Soviet Union had a naval base or two on that part of Africa back during the Cold War era and uh, kind of going with what worked the last time. So uh, Russia's trying to build a naval base in the Sudan. Uh, so the United States is pissed off about that. They don't want the Russians there. So now we've got fighting going on between two proxy armies, if you will, inside Sudan, trying to see who's going to be in charge, uh, fighting it out for their paymasters, which are the two bigger powers. Then we also have the small item of the Sudan receives a lot of its food from Russia. And when we have certain parties in the West who are trying to create food shortages, uh, it kind of messes with the food shortage plan if you have somebody out there selling food. Right. Um, then there's also this little snarky comment, which is uh, the World Health Organization is also really concerned about the safety of that big biological lab in the Sudan. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, you all didn't know about the big bio lab? There's a big bio lab in the Sudan. Yeah, uh, I wonder who built that one. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if they got any DARPA funding. Yeah. Um, uh, no one has any idea what kind of research is going on there, but the World Health Organization is gravely concerned about it, which that right there should tell you something. We have no idea what's going on, but we're gravely concerned. I don't know. That sounds like you know what's going on. In that. <laughs> uh, I would also say that uh, we should also perhaps entertain the idea that uh, possibly Russia found out what was being cooked up in that lab thanks to the labs they captured in Ukraine. So stay tuned. Mm. A cost-saving tip, uh, I'll admit this one kind of caught me off guard, and I'm very happy to have found it, so I wanted to pass this on to all of you. Um, the last few years, my heating and air conditioning system in my house, uh, the filter costs have been going up. Now, I don't buy the, like, really crazy expensive HEPA filters, but I do buy uh, a very a very good filter. I certainly don't get those, those crappy uh, fiberglass things. And the costs of those filters have been going up. I mean, it's almost 20 bucks a filter at this point, even if I'm buying them in bulk. So I discovered a cost saving I wanted to pass along to all of you, because I know all of you, whether an apartment, a condo, or a house, you've got some kind of filtration system. None other than K&N, uh, the company who makes the high-performance filters for no way. motorcycles. Yes, uh, it's right on the on the homepage, V. K&N makes home heating and air conditioning filters. I'm going there right now. Uh, it, if you go to their website, it has a plastic frame. It's not paper. It's firm. And much like the filters they make for cars and trucks and motorcycles and other applications, um, when it gets dirty, you just wash it off, and then you spray it with this um, material uh, on there, and uh, you're, you're good to go again. Same as you for any of you who've ever owned one of these things for your car, uh, what's known as a gauze filter. Clean the Holy paint. crap, you're not kidding. You let it dry out, and then you, you spray it with uh, uh, the stuff, and then it's, uh, it's doing its thing again. So the net of it is, is, you know, for about 35 to 40 bucks, you can get one of these filters for your house and a $15 bottle of cleaner, and you're probably good for three or more years. So, I mean, I recouped my cost in about three months. So That's so, brilliant. Yes. Look so, at that. So there you are. Um, then uh, moving on to Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, I've been reading stories and watching movies of late about the hidden aspects of Hollywood and the media. Uh, cool cat, thank you again for some of the stuff you sent my way. Um, yes, Bill, that's the same Velus available on Craigslist. Um, I've noticed a, a growing increase, especially in satellite radio, of much higher Ozzy Osbourne content as well as related music programs on, on cable. Um, 
to be candid uh, and not to be unkind, uh, Ozzy does not have long left in this world between the no. lifestyle he's lived and other factors. Um, it just is the fact of the situation. But, you know, I sure am glad to see the whores and the media machine are making sure they build as much brand recognition as possible before his death uh, to guarantee their money. Uh, I have no idea, folks, how many uh, programs, specials, and pay-per-view uh, they're going to try and milk out of this. Um, it also reminds me of during the riots we had in major cities around 2020, uh, there wasn't a station on satellite radio, and I mean everything from rap stations to rock stations, what have you. At the time, I just thought, could you make it any more obvious during the period of the riots? Because everything on satellite radio were songs about violence and resistance and revolution and related. So as always, just be aware of uh, who's pulling the strings. Um, the Las Vegas shooting, uh, bringing that topic up again. Uh, an article on the Liberty Daily I posted on Discord on Friday, April 21st, centered on the algorithms formerly used by Twitter to redirect searches to misleading information. The most powerful part of that article was why would you create an algorithm to redirect social media searches for a single topic when there are so many other topics where you could do that? Oh, wait, what was the story they were focusing on? Uh, it centered on all the algorithms. Twi now, this is Twitter prior to Elon Musk taking over. All the algorithms Twitter was previously using to misdirect and gaslight people on the Las Vegas shooting a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, when supposedly there was an attempt to kill uh, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, yes, indeed. Why would you need all those algo uh, algos if everything is above board about uh, the narrative on, uh, on what happened in Las Vegas? Um, a rant from a friend of mine. I've got a very good, good buddy of mine who uh, uh, does catch the show. And uh, sent me an email out of the blue, and I said, you know, that's pretty good. I'm going to use it on the show. Um, so uh, this, this was the commentary of what my friend sent me. Uh, and I quote, uh, dude, it's bad out there. Uh, and he's, he's talking about the mindset of today's high school and college age, age kids. And he said, dude, it's bad out there. Uh, they love leisure. Uh, they feel they're owed, and they think the United States is evil. They think everyone is a homophobe and a racist. Uh, they think the United States is the cause of everything wrong in the world. Uh, climate change means they're doomed, so why even bother to try and amount to anything? Right. Uh, they don't know real pain and suffering, as so few of them have been exposed to relatives who've seen actual military duty or military combat. Besides, battles these days are now drones or digital espionage. Guys now like video games more than girls. Girls like girls more than guys. They have no idea what it's like to play a real-life game of finding where the free beer is, and does that woman over there maybe want to get sweaty with me? They're such dumbasses. Computers should have stopped doing only things that are numbers and text. Uh, PCs are good for printing and for reports and accounting and word processing. The advance of photorealistic screens were only necessary for video games and porn. They never should have come into existence in the first place. <laughs> Uh, parking garages and redesign, uh, due to my work with a number of different folks for whom I consult, uh, especially with universities, I recently became aware of the following. Um, there's also, this is a news item that's been gaining traction in a, in a couple of different media places, uh, about uh, cities as well, when it comes to infrastructure topics like parking, specifically as it relates to electric vehicles beyond the potential for uncontrollable fires from electric vehicles, uh, should that occur in a parking structure, there's also the little problem of weight. Uh, all these electric vehicles, whether trucks or cars, are much heavier than you might think. A Rivian, truck, yeah, a Rivian truck, for instance, is 8,500 pounds unloaded. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Like, 
Yeah, that's as much as a three-quarter ton pickup truck like you see on a work site, folks, or even a one-ton. Dude, that, that weighs more than my Raptor. That, that's ridiculous. So one of my clients recently had to redesign several of the, of the parking garages uh, because of the weight of EV vehicles. They were having cracking in the structures and you know, rebar was popping out of the walls and stuff. Uh, the added challenge is also that many uh, medical and university regions have dedicated vehicles who are electric, whether by state or just their own rules. Uh, so they now need to calculate what needs to be strengthened in parking structures and roadways. Uh, for municipal parking garages, all those electric vehicles are going to create more weight than the structures were intended to support, uh, which also means two realities. The first is the cost increase associated with strengthening those facilities. And secondly, we will probably see some, some structural failures or close to it. Um, also, if major metropolitan areas are building bridges with an intended level of road traffic, including heavy trucks, uh, all those electric vehicles now present another problem to aging infrastructure. And especially in those states like, like the West Coast or the Southwest, where having an electric vehicle is, is more likely, especially due to the weather factor, because if you get into, uh, um, as I've mentioned before, if you get into really cold temperatures, it, it cuts considerably the amount of uh, charge the batteries can hold. Which drug dealer do you prefer? Um, if you're addicted to heroin or another deadly form of narcotic, like let's say lies from your own government, does it really matter if you buy your drugs from a conservative Fox News dealer on the right-hand side of the street or a liberal CNN dealer on the left-hand side of the street? Now, admittedly, I used to occasionally watch Tucker's programs online, and I did like some of his work. As I've said on this program often, at the same time, we have to remember Tucker Carlson is part of the U.S. intelligence establishment, and that's been known for decades. So let's just say I occasionally bought a nickel bag of weed from Tucker. Um, I do not watch either network for information, and frankly, they're not liberal or conservative in the true sense of the word. We have to keep the mental narrative in mind more and more when it comes to TV programs, advertisements, and the media. The machine is ramping up the lies and the disinformation. Plus, given the events of this week with Tucker, let me offer a little different perspective. The legal standard for libel, uh, libel and slander has been different in the U.S. legal system for years when it comes to the media versus the average person. That also oftentimes folks based on uh, court settlements and court cases that are in, in um, what do you call it, the legal body of law. The attitude in the courts has always been that the media must be allowed in the interest of the First Amendment and public good to report on things who may not be entirely accurate. Um, it's why the retractions are posted, but posted on the last page of the newspaper or the last minute of a, of a broadcast. Many court cases have been lost by people suing media organizations because unless you can show literal prior knowledge, a story was false. And how are you going to get that unless you had listening devices in the room? The courts will not enforce it. So why did Fox settle when technically they never should have settled? Regardless of how embarrassing certain disclosures might have been, they should have stayed the course via the courts. They didn't. And I think there's hidden reasons why they agreed to a settlement. Not to mention that settlement is a major legal precedent and the powerful things are now in motion. The active wall around the media has fallen, and I think a lot of people have missed out on that. Sure, Fox is at the forefront of the story, but this means all media is now compromised in the courts. This is a watershed moment. In the short term, we're going to see an avalanche of court cases against Fox. And of course, we have the Abby Grossman lawsuit that alleges, among other things, that Tucker was anti-Semitic because he was critical of George Soros. Now it appears she never even met Tucker. It's all smoke and mirrors, folks. In fact, a number of media organizations may have to file for bankruptcy. We'll see. 
There's also another psychological operation in consideration with this. And I'll use one of the science fiction analogies I often use. In the TV program Babylon 5, there's an episode where the enigmatic and, and very ancient shadows are indiscriminately attacking less powerful races. It's realized later there's a method to what they're doing. They're herding all the less powerful races into a single location. Then they will attack them there to dis- devastate their will to resist. I see similarities here. This isn't about Tucker or even about Fox. This is about all media. Any media organization with an intention of real reporting will now hold back. If conservatives or libertarians were going to watch any network, they would watch Fox. That audience was consolidated into a single network, and now they may have no future. Those events reek of an intelligence agency level or even Tavistock level uh, at face value kind of kind of operation. Also, uh, this is why you've also got to start directing folks to Rogue News or other alternative sites, as we've said for quite some time. It's not just about our own self-interest here on Rogue News. It's the fact that alternative media is the only media that's left. You can't trust any of the major, major media machines. We're the only real analysis there actually is out there. The media, by the way, folks, is about to go total dog whistle and total psychological operation given the rest of the calendar of 2023, probably into 2024. So prepare yourselves. We've been saying this on Rogue for some time. Have your alternative news sources and options lined up. There's nothing left on TV for you but the needle. And to quote the band Queensryche, the needle always lies. But I, 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 I like Sean Hannity. He always tells me Republicans good, Democrats bad. Republicans good, Democrats bad. Right, <laughs> right. You won't even feel the injection. No. Um, <laughs> Tom uh, Luongo, folks, again, uh, high praise from me for the work that, that Tom does. Um, among the mountains of knowledge coming from Tom, there's a couple of items worth, worth raising today. Um, before I get into that, he's also said some, some funny stuff recently about people like Peter Zeehan describing oh, Peter and others as classic, and I quote, CIA central casting figures, unquote, to push <laughs> ideas in the media. So... Specifically on the Tom content, uh, first, uh, the degree to which bots are influencing content in the media is continuing to grow. Uh, Bots who are now tied to AI and certain campaigns out there, even if you agree with their narrative, like it's cool to hate Star Wars now. uh, Those things were all pushed by bots. And as I often say, sometimes it's a thought experiment. They just want to see how the public will react. In other cases, they're actually trying to push the public narrative. But now more than ever, they have to change the public narrative, a la the comments I made about uh, the real backstory on what's going on with the events on Fox News. Now, the second item. According to Tom, and I, I certainly agree with this, and it is kind of a frightening consideration, the Davos crowd, or what we loosely refer to around here as the globalists, um, is literally trying to turn the United States into 1930s Nazi Germany in the sense of the United States becoming even more the world's boogeyman. Uh, in V's show with with uh, Gus this week, there was kind of some sim- similar narrative there. Tom lays out a lot of detail on this, and his data points have a lot of weight, in my opinion. Uh, not to mention, if you view that in terms of political overthrows and cruise missiles rather than troops on the ground, it's a solid argument. The third item, as mentioned on prior Rogue programs, is that Tom continues to discuss the shift from LIBOR, the London interbank rate, and that was the bank rates we'd use to charge interest to each other to transfer funds, to SOFR, S-O-F-R, uh, secured overnight financing rate. 
And what everyone in the financial world already knows, except many quote-unquote investors, is this. And I've often talked about the importance of debt in the international markets here on Rogue in the entire time I've been on the air with V and CJ. All the debt managed by the banks is being re-indexed based on the new rates through SOFAR, even though you're not hearing a word about it publicly. The LIBOR rate, by the way, sunsets on June 30th. What many, including those of us here on Rogue, have been saying for quite some time is to watch it when we start getting into the June-July timeframe. That's another consideration as to why that is, is because of the sunsetting of LIBOR. Luango has also warned people to be cautious as we will hear the talking heads in the business media potentially sounding like the sky is falling when it comes to the topic of how the banks are going to manage the debt and a number of other topics. Don't let yourself get your cage rattled when you start hearing that stuff. Remember, they're pushing a narrative. There are also some financial institutions who evidently are trying to bet on the idea that LIBOR will continue in some way and they don't need to take any action. They're making a very high stakes, uh, stakes bet that LIBOR is going to continue. Tom's guidance is the debt, uh, debt item has already been resolved or is in the process of being resolved. Um, he also said this rather bombshell topic, which is that the Federal Reserve has essentially shifted control of U.S. finance away from the London Corporation back to the Fed. I would point out that is no small accomplishment. Uh, on a personal level, my kudos to Jerome Powell on not literally getting killed in the process. Uh, if you'll recall your American history folks, um, shortly after this country was able to get rid of the, the first central bank of the United States, that literally within a year or two, we had the war between the states and the Civil War break, break out. That's how far these folks will go in order to maintain uh, the ability to have central bank control. The difference is who's running that central bank? Is it Americans through Jerome Powell or is it the London Corporation? And that was kind of Tom's point. And the takeaway he wanted to leave people with is he doesn't like the Fed any more than we do. But it's the old saying about they may be a son of a bitch, but they're our son of a bitch. Or at least they're run by our son of a bitches rather than the son of bitch, sons of bitches over in the London Corporation. The fourth item regarding the conflict in Ukraine, and I say that specifically rather than the war between Russia and Ukraine as the, the latter is incorrect. It truly is a conflict in Ukraine because that's where many powerful people decided geographically to locate one of their arguments. Similarly, they're trying to decide where to put the war in Asia. Could be Taiwan, could be elsewhere. He said the people who dragged Russia into that conflict miscalculated horribly. Now, that's an easy statement to say, but what does that mean? Specifically, Russia has gained significant numbers of Western weapon systems, as well as analysis of how the West has supported Ukraine. Russia has also been able to monitor uh, battle tactics and similar, both by Ukraine as well as by Western countries who are advising them. Unlike traditional warfare situations, his position, and I would agree, is Russia can develop countermeasures faster than the West can field new weapons or improvements. As I've shared with all of you, there was a time when I worked for a fast prototyping federal research institution, a federal lab. We were shut down for a number of reasons, but not the least of which was as we were actually one of the few effective arms of the government, and you just can't have that sort of thing. Uh, I would add also in their own self-interest, I'm pretty sure Russia's been sharing that technology they've acquired with China and probably, in my opinion, Turkey, among others all of whom are now busily developing countermeasures and new weapons. At a minimum, everyone can now analyze the control systems on, on Western weapons. The result of that, I would anticipate, is uh, very shortly Russia and China's equipment is about to get a lot more accurate once they start incorporating that technology into their existing and future weapon systems. 
Plus, there's also the rather brutal reality that Russia has about 50 years of stored artillery rounds and warehouses that they just keep firing into Ukraine to chew up anything Ukraine or their mercenaries can put into the field. I would also add this. Tom didn't go here, but I'll throw this into the conversation. Don't forget what, for one minute that Russian military intelligence agents under what is known as the GU, they were formerly known as the GRU, and the FSB, the inheritor of the KGB, have been active long before the first shot was fired. Something who transcends the battles, the banks, and the bullion is the intelligence world. And Russians by nature are very patient. Whatever advantages the West has in technology can be countered by patient human intelligence or what's known as humans. There are already stories in the global press about how Russian intelligence has been warning the British or more accurately British elites, among others, how much they really know about the goals of the West and who's getting money from whom. All this garbage in the media that's been coming out lately that Russia's locating all of Britain's windmills to cut off their power if the conflict spills over is just that. It's garbage. Trust me, if the conflict broadens, then one of my favorite topics becomes front page news. A lot of powerful people start dying, either mysteriously or rather obviously why they died. More bluntly, release the assassins. Mike Gill in the alternative universe hairball. I wanted to revisit the Mike Gill topic as a lot's occurred since we last covered this. Um, this topic will also dovetail into something wider as I hit the end of this particular narrative. Just to review, Mike is the guy who caused a dust up in New Hampshire, claiming most U.S. fentanyl trafficking is being managed out of that area by a domestic U.S. cartel. Plus, if we're talking large-scale trafficking, you know the intelligence community will be involved if the facts of the story are true. Gill was interviewed several times by Brendan O'Connell and once by Mike Moore. There's a couple of important considerations about this whole hairball that are important, not just to this story, but to anything, folks, when it comes to the alternative space and the people in it. First item is the story itself. Per Brendan O'Connell, there's a battle going on right now between the FBI field office in Boston and the Washington, D.C. office over this story. To paraphrase a theme of Mike Moore, it's because both field offices want all the evidence of the story for their own field office's benefit. Net-net to blackmail various people and use this national criminal situation to their advantage. Both field offices are evidently fighting over this with Gill caught in the middle. The second part of this is the personalities involved. I would agree with O'Connell that Mike Gill has not handled this well. Does the guy have evidence of criminal activity taking place? Well, there's every indication that he does. And Mike Moore confirmed through his own FBI sources that at least his folks inside the FBI told him that, yes, there is a major national traffic trafficking story, and it does center on New Hampshire. The same sources confirm that Gill does have that data in his possession. The unknown is, was Gill set up? Is Mike Gill the setup? Was Brendan O'Connell played because of his other broadcasts are getting too dangerous to various parties? Or is it what it appears? Gill discovered something, tried to act on it, and did it badly. Not to be unkind, but Mike Gill is typical of the person who knows their state or local power structures very well but is unprepared for how things operate in New York banking, Washington, D.C. politics, military circles, dealing with billionaires, and the list goes on. In my opinion, Gil thought he could handle this thing by himself, and frankly, he's made the situation far worse for everybody involved, including his family. Because of his handling of the situation, a street fight has now broken out between the FBI field offices I mentioned, but now also includes other such parties as intelligence agencies, the Justice Department, and God knows who else. None of whom, by the way, as I'm fond of saying, want to prosecute anybody. 
They just want to know how they can leverage this for their own advantage. Then we've got Brendan O'Connell himself. I've spoken with a couple of you on Discord about your thoughts on Brendan as you followed his work as I have. And I'm trying to avoid painting Brendan with too broad a paintbrush as that would be fair or inaccurate. Loosely put, Brendan has literally been on the run for years after he fled Australia after digging too deeply into the actions of our friends in the Levant region. He fled to Indonesia from Australia and then had to flee Indonesia from Mexico, where he's been ever since. The fact Brendan is still coherently doing this kind of work is a miracle given what he's been through. However, no one, and I mean no one, can go through that kind of pressure, prison time, and having their life threatened without it doing a real number on your personality. I'm talking combat-level PTSD here. The third part is Brendan and Mike Gill are now currently in a flame war with one another, and Brendan has recently this week said he's done with Mike for life. Brendan put himself at risk by covering Mike's disclosures, and now, according to some, Mike Gill is basically suffering a nervous breakdown. Gill has been attacking Brendan, and Brendan now claims he's got weird people showing up where he lives in Mexico. He's been showing photos of people photographing him and similar where he lives. To summarize, the alternative media community hairball is a crazy place. When you deal with controversial subject matter, it does wear on a person. Plus, it does tend to attract or rope in people with some rather crazy backgrounds. I mean, what kind of rational person wants to deal with this sort of stuff? And speaking of worn out, the amazing Polly up in Canada had to take a couple of, of breaks in her work. In fact, recently she's been saying things on Twitter that would indicate she's taking another break right now. This is a common pattern I've seen previously. I saw it in the human rights community when people just got burned out from the subject matter if not the out-and-out threats to their lives. Plus, there was that annoying problem of human rights researchers on the ground who just flat-out disappeared. The weight of the research has, has caused people in that community to take their own lives as well. I remember my own experience developing a graduate paper on the torture of children in Iraq back in the 1990s. It was about 75 pages in length, and I had about three to 4,000 pages of source material, including human rights reports out of the United Nations and other, other regional providers. That whole thing did a number in my head. I literally left the country here in the United States and went down to the Caribbean for about two weeks to go cool off. That was just one paper. I'm not somebody who's dedicated my whole life to that topic. In the alternative international and domestic analysis arena, we now have about a 20-person civil war going on. Whitney Webb attacks Brendan O'Connell. Brendan O'Connell attacks Whitney and Ryan Dawson. Dawson attacks Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick. And Mike Moore thinks everybody out there is full of shit. In conclusion, Mike Gill and Brendan O'Connell. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. And I know folks in the edgier alternative space who can appear a little crazy sometimes. There's also a ton of arguments and accusations flying around right now among many parties. And in fact, I think this whole Tucker Carlson thing's going to blow it up even further. As I always say, trust but verify. For deep researchers in the alternative space, though, in all seriousness, there can be a heavy price. And in the case of Danny Casolaro, the former CEO of Tinker Ventures, Aaron Valenti, Gary Webb, and many others, it can get you killed. Sterilization and technocracy, uh, in case you missed it, they're currently sterilizing women in California's prisons, I'm dead serious, just the way they did across the United States during the heyday of eugenics in the 1930s. Um, ironically, a lot of eugenics literature the Nazis referenced came from, no joke, California in the 1930s. How ironic California has returned to its roots. What's happening is, is they're telling women who are prison inmates in California and no doubt other parts of the United States, they have some sort of serious health issue and it needs immediate treatment. They're treated only to discover that they've been made sterile. A lot of questions here. Who gave the order? How's this being paid for? So I'm pretty sure it's not coming out of the prison funds. 
who gave the order to those who gave the order. Not to mention, tell me who are these doctors performing these surgeries? I'm pretty sure there's a pretty heavy NDA involved, non-disclosure agreement. Equally, folks, let's not be cruel. I understand they're incarcerated, but they're still human beings. And this is mutilation. You know, like how giving kids puberty blockers and gender reassignment before they're adults is mutilation. By 1933, California had sterilized more Americans than the entire United States had done at the same time. You may want to recall that in the 1930s in the United States, even in the years prior to that, a number of U.S. states had laws on the books saying, and I'm not making this up, it was legal to sterilize certain people. Uh, Dare we use the Nuremberg-like language of undesirables. The goal in both the United States and Germany during those periods was to remove and reduce minorities, undesirables, and that's a rather broad category, and the elderly. In the case of Germany, it was to eliminate, quote-unquote, hereditary disease. In today's world, one could argue your opinions and views are a hereditary disease, and some folks might think you need to go. So do your own research. Don't take my word for it. The other half of that eugenics equation is design or improvement of human beings, and obviously among intellectuals and the wealthy. Ergo, Silicon Valley and their current efforts focused on transhumanism. Those folks just will not drop it. Designer humans for those of great wealth and social status, and then the rest of the proletariat will be managed accordingly. One other item. Hidden. If a major metropolitan area or areas across the United States realized years ago they had a specific financial problem, what might they do about it? What would they try and do to delay or slow it down? Let's be more specific. City and state pensions, where in almost all situations the money to pay them is not there, and many of these major metropolitan areas are in arrears. A lot of America's classic cities, like New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Seattle, Los Angeles, Baltimore, and the list goes on, they set up pensions for key employees as far back as the 1950s. Notably, these are in the key areas of the fire department, police, and civil servants. It's how they retained talent. It's the classic approach in state or federal government. We may not be able to pay you as much as the private sector, but boy, have we got a heck of a pension. A lot of major corporations began eliminating pensions starting in the early 1980s because they were very expensive to sustain. Robert Kiyosaki, for those of you that are fans of his work, often talks about this, and he's covered it in depth in a number of his books. So what happened was is major corporations moved the proletariat over to 401k plans. And of course, senior executives still had their awesome compensation models. Cities, due to union issues, could not move their personnel to 401ks, and the pension programs continued. So where am I going with this? I'm not saying this is the entire reason for what I'm about to say, as social engineering still played a major role. But I'm talking about the why of how we arrived at defund the police. Reducing police department personnel numbers reduced the load on existing overstrained pension programs. Countless cities are hard-pressed to pay the benefits of existing pensioners. They need to slow down adding to those systems. Plus, police are the civil servants who have the highest percentage of needing early pension benefits due to injuries on the job. Defund the police programs, among many goals, helped reduce the load on existing pension programs across the country. And not to be brutal about it, but if you must choose between reducing your fire department personnel or police department personnel numbers, you always choose police. Why? Well, because frankly, if you have riots that cannot be contained due to reduced police assets being available, at least you can put the fires out. The fires destroy private property and in many cities where large financial interests own that property. Not to mention law enforcement you have left may not be prone to show restraint in the months ahead should average people start protesting. The only law enforcement that you have left are those that are just there for a paycheck and no more. 
just a thought. With that, V, I yield the floor. I think you uh, covered the gambit of it, and it, it makes a lot of sense. Look, the largest bubble is about to be blown. Dow 40,000 printed T-shirts. How do you get to that level? You have to start <laughs> financializing everything. You got to financialize the debt. You got to somehow shake loose those police pensions. And I'm somebody who has experience dealing with a police pension system uh, out on the West Coast many years ago. And it was sad to see it go sideways because of the decisions that that planning company, the wealth management company that was handling that did. It's a, it, And folks, let me explain something to you. Majority of police pensions are are completely underfunded. Many municipalities and cities which are you know, ran by these comptrollers who are wined and dined by Wall Street would love nothing more than to defund the police all the more and shake off these pension plan, uh, plans and give it into the hands of Wall Street. They would love that because then they can go ahead and take that and financialize it and blow the biggest bubble ever made. We are stuck perpetually on a run-to-failure model. We are on a run-to-failure model. This thing is going to break. It's going to break hard. It's going to break fast. The question just becomes, Velas, at this point, is when? Yes, and this is this is why, folks. I brought up the comment about because uh, Mia culpa. I had uh, I wouldn't say it's the sort of thing I look for. This is more as I'm fond of saying this is more algo and uh, V's area than mine. But uh, when Tom Luongo was talking recently, I about fell out of my chair when he said June 30th because I thought, oh my God, that's why. I mean, it's one of several things that are taking place, but. Uh, you know, and I, I hate to make predictions because, of course, if you're right, everybody thinks you're a genius. And if you're wrong, no one ever wants to listen to you again. I would be interested to see. What did he say about June 30th? He said that the the LIBOR system gets shut down on the 30th of June. Interesting. Hmm. Yes. And the switch over to SOFOR. So while all these events are taking place, I would be interested to see, now this is kind of a, a head fake here, yeah, I would sense. be interested to see if in the month of May and early June, there is not an attempt to either A, wrap up the conflict in Ukraine, noting my wording earlier, uh, or accelerate it, or try to accelerate it. Because it's like either they need that conflict wrapped up by then, or they need it to distract from what's going to happen. The question is, distract with what? Um, and again, as I often tell all of you, I'm half Eastern European. I don't want to see what's going down in that part of the world. Uh, my people have suffered enough. And I mean that of both the Ukrainians and the Russians, because we're, we're all Slavic. It's just a, it's a political demarcation, no different than Portugal and Spain. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Luongo, by the way, also said something that I'll share with all of you. And I'll, I will tell you from the heart, uh, I take no offense, none to what he said. But he was commenting to his interviewer and said, have you ever seen a Slavic blood feud? Uh, he goes, that's what you've got going on in Ukraine and Russia. This is a Slavic blood feud being acted out because of the other parties who have gotten this, this war started. And then he went on to say, he goes, this is some serious, um, what do you call it, uh, Ural Mountain shit here, you know, if, you, yeah. if you're familiar with the Georgians and the, the others in that part of the world, with various people on one side of the mountain versus the other who've hated each other for, for generations. Uh, you know, I, I hear these stories in the news or whatever, and it's like, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean this the way it sounds. You know, even Western reporters who are trying to choose a middle-of-the-road uh, reporting are somehow shocked by, at times, the, the violent unbelievable intensity of the fighting 
Mm. And it's like, there's, um, there's no Geneva convention here, folks. This is, this is an internal fight, an internal war. Many, many parties caused this, including our friends on the Levant. Uh, a whole bunch of people wanted this, this war to take place. Uh, they're going to get their war. They couldn't get us to fight Iran, so we're going to have one of them here between the Ukrainians and the Russians. Uh, the other thing is, and this is true, uh, much like the American war between the states, uh, every morning, this is the God's honest truth. Every morning, the Ukrainians and the Russians get on the radio and start insulting each other. Yep. I before the fighting even before the fighting even starts. <laughs> I mean, this th- that is how dirty and how ruthless and how brutal uh, the damn thing is. So, you know, will it be allowed to come to an end? Which that's a key way of wording it. Uh, I don't know, but I don't know how much more Ukraine can bleed. I don't know how much more in the world. I mean, if you're a mercenary and you understand what being a mercenary means and you're being offered a lot of money by people to go fight in that conflict, I don't know that you want the check. I mean, it's, it's only going to end one way and Russia's just going to keep, I mean, they've got artillery lines lined up aimed at Ukraine and every day it folks, this is world war one all over again. And they're just firing into that line every day, every day. They just keep shooting toward the line with Ukraine. And that's why nothing can move. So anyway. Yeah. Very well said. Velas, thank you so much for being with us, folks. Folks, we have Harley Schlanger next. Keep it locked right here. Roguenews.com. Roguenews.com. And also make sure you check out our paid sponsors over at algofactory.tech algofactory.tech uh Zoll, is there any last minute things you want to say i just wanted to tell zoran that he is correct in his assessment about the bosnian war which i also remember well uh, yes. but, but other than that folks have a have a good weekend and please catch charlie's show when it pops up yep absolutely and we'll be right back cheers <laughs>